Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And we are recording this today on July 3rd. I hope you're having a wonderful July 4th weekend. Um, NBA free agency well underway. Cavaliers already making some moves, the biggest of which thus far um, appears to be keeping one of their own, giving Terrius Garland the biggest contract in franchise history. Um, but there are some other moves they've made, and we're going to discuss them right away. So first of all, Cavaliers agreed to a deal, three-year deal with Ricky Rubio. We've been talking about that one for a while, Chris. You also mentioned this offseason, Robin Lopez, who uh, the Cavaliers agreed to a one-year deal with. And then um, Raul Nito, uh, who is going to kind of be the – is it Nato? Is it Nato? I already messed up the pronunciation, didn't I? I love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing about you, Hayden. So it is technically Haul Neto. Haul Neto. Haul Neto. Yeah. Okay. Well, one for th- or two for three ain't bad, I guess. But that is, <laughs> he is going to be Haul. How do you get Haul? Is it like, is it like one of those like Spanish, like not Raul? It's Raul? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Haul Neto. Okay. Okay. I got it. Neto. Nito. Neto. Got it. Um, well, regardless, Cavaliers agree to a one-year minimum vetman deal with him. Uh, he is kind of going to be the Rubio replacement until Ricky Rubio is ready to go. So all of this pretty much was to be expected. Um, you know, the Cavaliers kind of had their, uh, their sights set on these guys. They had their sets, sights set definitely on Ricky Rubio. We kind of knew that was coming. Um, mm. they needed a backup center. Robin Lopez fit the bill. You mentioned him. And then, uh, I don't even want to say it again. Well, Raul <laughs> Neto, um, comes in to be the Rubio replacement until, uh, until Ricky is back. So three needs, three guys that they brought in three, um, you know, target acquisitions that were made. What are your takes on all three of them? Yeah. I mean, I think it's what you said, Hayden. The Cavs came into this offseason with a specific game plan, and I think they feel like they executed it. Um, they knew the holes that they needed to fill. They knew the, the characteristics that they wanted from people, and it's clear that they feel like they've got enough kids. And now it's time to, to find the right pieces to, to put around the core, the right adults to put around the core. You have to, if you're going to take that next step as an organization, you have to have a combination of experience, age, and youth. 
And I think the Cavs showed during the draft that they feel like they've got enough youth. Um, the, the draft pick that they made with Abaji, he's a 22-year-old kid as opposed to a teenager coming into this team. Um, Neto is an experienced point guard. He's been around for a number of years. This is going to be year number eight for him. He's started. He's backed up. Um, he's a pro. He's been with Antonio Lang in, in, in Utah, Antonio Lang being one of the Cavs' assistants. Ricky Rubio, we know all about him and the kind of impact that he can have both on and off the court. And, and Robin Lopez is considered, you know, a great dude, a great locker room presence. And he showed a couple of years ago for the Wizards that, you know, there's still a little bit left in there. He's not a starting caliber center. The Cavs don't need him to be a starting caliber center. So they filled holes. They brought in people that they wanted to bring in. And now it's a little bit different. You know, like last year when Ricky Rubio went down and, and Darius Garland was dealing with a back injury, they were playing these guys, these young guys who weren't ready for those bigger roles. Um, Brandon Goodwin, Lamar Stevens. Um, and, and now the Cavs feel like, you know, if chaos strikes again when it comes to injury, um, they have covered themselves the best that they possibly can. And if it happens, then it's not their fault because nobody's going to carry like four reliable point guards. You know what I mean? Three. Right is what you have. And and now they have three reliable point guards um, that, that deserve playing time in the NBA. You couldn't say that about the team last year. So I think they feel good, Hayden, about the things that they accomplished coming into this offseason. Um, a lot of people will say, what about the two-way wing? Why didn't they address that? Um, I'm told that they were interested in some of those guys. Uh, they knew, though, from the very beginning, Hayden, that they could not get Ricky Rubio and, you know, somebody that would be a significant upgrade over some of their, their, their depth that they have at the wing. Um, I think it's, it's fair to say that they've got an abundance of quantity as opposed to quality, but if they were going to bring somebody in, they would have to be um, better than significantly better than Isaac Okoro um, Lamar Stevens, uh, Jetty Osman, for them to justify passing up on the opportunity to bring back Ricky Rubio. And, and Ricky Rubio, to my understanding, was always plan A. And they accomplished that. Well, I, I, when I look at the rotation, when I look at the roster, um, you know, you, you have a start, you have, you know, basically – 12 guys that I think are going to play a pretty, you know, pretty big role as of right now. Um, you look at Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, Larry Markinen, Evan Wobley, Jared Allen. That's kind of your your big five. We'll see if LeVert yeah. starts. No. Then you have Rubio, Neto, uh, Sexton with the asterisk next to his name because that's something we'll talk about next. Okoro, Abaji, Love, and Lopez. And then you got Austin Windler, Wade, Stevens, and Mobley on the, you know, the kind of the fringe. So uh, what, what, I guess my next question would be like, what steps are next? I mean, obviously the Colin Sexton yeah. one is going to be something that's going to be addressed. Um, is it something where they want to keep Colin and just and run with this group? 
or is it something where maybe they try to package Colin and Jetty and and try to bring in another wing or something like that? Because, like I said, there's not going to be much room or much time for the other, you know, five guys that I mentioned kind of outside of the 10 that uh, 10 or 10 or 11, 12 that I mentioned before. Yeah. Look, if there's a two way wing out there, the Cavs are going to explore that possibility. They're going to be opportunistic. If they feel like it's going to make them better and, and push this thing forward, it's something that they will consider. But I don't get the sense that they feel desperate to do that. I don't get the sense that they want to overpay for that kind of player. And, and that's what it's going to take to get that kind of player. You're going to have to overpay. You're going to have to break up some of the stuff that you feel good about moving into the future. Um, I think there's something that looms here, Hayden. There, actually, there are two things that loom. Uh, number one, the Cavs roster technically is full. Now, yeah, this is the offseason, okay? This is the offseason. So you can carry 20 through training camp if you want to, and then you can make other decisions before the regular season opener. Um, but if we're, like, projecting it forward and we're looking at the depth chart, there are 15 NBA guys, and then there are two two-ways. Uh, and then the draft and stash guys, Travers and Halifa Jop. Um, but if they're going to bring back Colin Sexton and it's something that they still have interest in doing, then they're going to have to make another move. Um, they could cut Dylan Windler. They could theoretically cut Lamar Stevens. Lamar Stevens is on a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, same thing with Dean Wade. They could also, and this is something that I've written about and it's something that I tweeted about, the Cavs have not made the decision yet when it comes to what they're going to do with Ricky Rubio in terms of his contract. They know what they have to pay him. That's been agreed to. Um, but they don't know the vehicle that they're going to use in order to get him. So because they traded him to Indiana, the Cavs lost his bird rights, and Indiana has his bird rights. So technically, if they wanted to go down a sign-and-trade route, they could do that. And that would be beneficial from the Cavs standpoint because it wouldn't be Ricky taking up a roster spot. It would be flip-flopping. Maybe it's Jetty Osman. Maybe it's Dylan Winley. For the sake of this conversation, let's say it's Jetty Osman. And it's a sign-and-trade between the Cavs and the Pacers. Well, the Pacers have to want Jetty, first and foremost. They have to be willing to pay him what his current salary is, and they have to be comfortable with that. But that would allow the Cavs to, to bring Rubio – lose Jetty, have room to sign Colin Sexton, and if the Cavs wanted, they would have their full mid-level exception available to continue to look at other options. Um, so that hasn't been decided yet. Or the Cavs feel very, very comfortable, if they have to, to give Ricky Rubio a chunk of the mid-level exception, which is actually funny. Like, the Cavs right now are, are giving him – the non-taxpayer mid-level or the Cavs have access to the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is more. It's $10.4 million. Now the taxpayer mid-level exception is actually a little bit less than um, what the, the non-taxpayer is. And the contract that the Cavs actually signed Rubio to, it just worked out this way for them. Um, if they wanted to go crazy and go into the luxury tax and all that other stuff, like 
it allows them the freedom to do that because of the salary that they signed Ricky to. But again, that, that hasn't been decided yet. And if they feel the need to, to have that extra roster spot, um, I could see them trying to turn this into a sign and trade, but that's not a guarantee either because there's no guarantee that Indiana would take back what the Cavs would send out in a sign and trade scenario. So right. that's one thing to, to be cognizant of that the roster situation that the Cavs are in with it being technically full. Um, the other thing is that the luxury tax looms big, big, big time. Um, after signing Abaji to his rookie deal, the Cavs are about 15 million away from the luxury tax, Hayden. 15 yep. million. Like that's if Rubio is signed with the mid-level exception and there is no sign and trade. Okay. So, that's about what they have to negotiate with Colin Sexton. Again, there are other moves that they can make. They could try and trade Jetty. They could try and trade Lamar Stevens or, or Dylan Windler. They could go Dean Wade, package a bunch of them together, things like that. Um, but as of now, being $15 million away from the luxury tax and wanting to avoid the luxury tax means the Colin Sexton negotiations – can't get much higher than that. Yeah, I feel like 15 is a number that we were kind of okay with when we talked about it. Like, you know, yeah. they're, 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 you know, I think Colin was looking for the 20s. I think the Cavs probably would love it to be 10. But, you know, if they have the money and, and Colin's agreeable to it. I mean, are there any updates on the market? I know that, you know, like we said, the, the draft day was really not good for Colin in terms of his market because of all the guards that went to other teams uh, to guard needy teams. Um, any update on the market and where the Cavs are at with them? There isn't a market. There isn't one. Yeah. Um, many of these teams that, that had the cap space to make him the kind of deal that the Cavs would be hesitant to match um, either spent in a different kind of way or are choosing not to spend that much. Um, I guess San Antonio still technically lurks, but if this is a team that just traded away DeJounte Murray and is ready to shift into full-on rebuild, are they really going to give a multi-year, 20-plus million dollar contract to Colin Sexton for a couple of years to not be competitive? Like To me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Detroit doesn't have that cap space that it had. They used it a different kind of way. They took on a bunch of bad salaries, then they decided to trade Marvin Bagley. Um, the Dallas Mavericks have been rumored as a team that may have interest because they lost Jalen Brunson. They don't have cap space. So it would have to be a sign and trade worked out with the Cavs. And I'm told that the Cavs are not very um, attracted to any of the pieces that Dallas would be willing to send back to them in a potential sign and trade because of the salary situation or because like the guy's just not as good as Colin Sexton could be for the Cavs if they brought him back. Um, and on top of all of that, Dallas only has one roster spot available. So I guess Indiana is another team that they have the cap space, but they have tons of guards. Even though they just traded Malcolm Brogdon, they still have a log jam at guard. So I just don't see the team out there, Hayden, that is motivated to give Colin Sexton a contract. Um, that I would say now north of $15 million, which is kind of like the buffer that the Cavs have that they're working with now. Again, it could increase a little bit that buffer away from the luxury tax, but 
I just don't see that team that's that motivated to give Colin that kind of contract in this market with him being a restricted free agent and with, you know, the salary situation that many of these teams currently find themselves in. So do you think it's just a matter of, of when in terms of Colin Sexton being a Cavalier again? I mean, when and at what price? I think when and at what price is a good way to phrase it. And I think it's also, you know, the route to a sign and trade has always been there. It's always been something to watch. It's something that the Cavs are aware of. Um, But they would have to get something back of value to make them lose out on Colin, especially because now their thinking is who else is going to make him an offer? Like we're going to get him back at a reasonable contract or he's going to try and play under the qualifying offer. Um, they're not going to negotiate against themselves here. They, they have a specific valuation of Colin that, that is different than Colin and his camp. Um, but now there's no threat to, like, take him away. <laughs> Again, like, it could theoretically be San Antonio or Indiana. They could be that threat. But I don't get the sense that the Cavs feel that's realistic. So I think the Cavs believe that they can get him back at the kind of valuation that they've placed on him. And the Cavs believe that they can get him back on, on a team-friendly contract. Yeah, I mean, it just it makes sense. The whole thing makes sense. And Colin wanting to be back in Cleveland, probably that, you know, I, I would assume that he's wants. To, I think you've mentioned that he wants to be back in Cleveland. So I don't think he's right. Like actively looking for other places to go. You know, and I think he wants to be paid, but I think, it, you know, he'd rather be paid 15 million in Cleveland than, you know, trying to get 16 or 17 somewhere else. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, it's Rich Paul's job at this point in time to, to find a team out there that maybe I don't see, that maybe the Cavs don't see, that, that can give him some kind of offer. Um, and then if that's the case, if, if he finds that, and it's going to be harder to do now, especially given what's already been spent in free agency, but if he finds that, then it's going to be on the Cavs to say, all right, we're either going to match that contract or what can you give us back in return in a potential sign and trade? But right. I mean, if we're being honest, you know, free agency, the Colin Sexton free agency played out the way that the Cavs were predicting all along. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. They had great foresight in that. And uh, it definitely worked out for them the way that they, the way that the draft went too. So it makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's just a matter of when for Colin and now kind of having to try to figure out, you know, how he's going to fit in, how, what they're going to, how they're going to use him. Uh, will he start? Will he come off the bench? I mean, a lot of people, I don't know. I, I posted something on Twitter the other day, kind of about the rotation and people seem to be really thinking that Levert's not going to start, that Sexton would start if he signs. I mean, I, I think you mentioned it, Chris, that the Cavs love that lineup of, of, you know, Garland, Levert, Markinen, Mobley and Allen. And look, they had been waiting months after trading for Karis LeVert. They had been waiting months to try and see what that was going to look like. They don't know what it's going to look like in the long term, right? They got 24 minutes to look at that lineup, and it happened in the final game of the season, the play-in tournament game against the Atlanta Hawks. So I think they want to see it. The other thing that I would point out, and, and I reported this way back before last year's 
uh, opener against Memphis, um, J.B. Bickerstaff was kicking around the idea, even though Colin Sexton was coming off the season that he was coming off of, J.B. Bickerstaff was kicking around the idea of not starting Colin. Yeah. He was going to bring Colin off the bench and put Isaac Okoro in the starting lineup. So if he was willing to think that way based on fit and based on a look that he wanted from a specific five-man grouping, if he was willing to think that way with Colin coming off the year that he was coming off of, why would anybody think that JB wouldn't also consider that when, when Colin only played 11 games last year, the Cavs had a bunch of success without him, and there are still legitimate questions internally about the combination of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton and whether it can work. Yep. Yep. I mean, I've, I've had those questions for a long time, and I know that a lot, a lot of people have too. So it'll be definitely interesting um, in terms of Colin Sexton and, and when that all will figure itself out. I do want to talk really quickly about Darius Garland. I mean, you know, the extension was expected, and there was, you know, some T's, and, T's to cross, I's to dot, whatever, and they got it done. But pretty remarkable given that, you know, I think two years ago you wrote an article saying that he – you weren't – this wasn't your opinion. It was just a matter of, you know, I think the metrics saying he was pretty much the worst player in the NBA – and then, you know, all of a sudden, boom, right. you look at him now and uh, he's, you know, gets the largest contract in Cavaliers history. I mean, it's pretty remarkable, his rise. Yeah, and he deserves it. And obviously, we believed that he was going to be a core piece of this thing moving forward. Uh, this obviously cements it. Now he's got the contract to match that. Um, so it's going to be up to him to continue to take steps throughout the course of the offseason, improve his game continue to get better as a leader, like all those different things, because he is now the face of the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the Darius Garland show. Um, I think eventually, Hayden, we've talked about this on the podcast, eventually it's going to have to be a team built around Evan Mobley, because I think it's really difficult in today's NBA to build a team around a point guard. I don't know that that guy can be your best player unless it's a transcendent player like Steph Curry. So, Eventually, I think this is going to be Evan Mobley's team, and they're going to build it around Evan, and he's going to be the centerpiece of it all. But, like, he's not there yet. You know, Darius is further along at that point. So um, this speaks to what they believe Darius has already accomplished and also what they believe he's going to continue to mean to them as they take the next steps as an organization. Um, they love his leadership. They love his flair. They love his attitude. They love his game. Um, they love the way that he runs the team. They love the way that, that he makes teammates around him better. They love the way that, that people seem to gravitate towards him because he's got this magnetic personality. So until Evan Mobley is ready, uh, Darius now with this contract has to accept that responsibility that comes with that kind of contract. I would assume that, you know, the next one is going to be Evan Mobley um, to get that big yeah. deal. I mean, that yeah. would be what I would think. So that'll come down the pipe, too. Um, and the Cavaliers kind of have their core established. But with that being said, with their core established, you know, we'll see what happens with Karis LeVert in the meantime. I mean, what are the next steps? I mean, it seems like, honestly, this could be it for them in terms of, you know, bringing back Colin and then your roster set. I mean, do you see them making any sort of big splash moves here? Or are they going to try to, you know, take some of those end of the roster guys and turn them into something? Or are they just going to move forward with this group and, and, you know, see it for what it is? 
from the very beginning, we talked about the possibility or the likelihood that they looked at what they accomplished last year and they looked at what they had and said, we'd be good running this back. Yep. Just making small moves. And I think they'd be good at this point in time with, with what they've already accomplished and with um, the expectation that they could bring Colin Sexton back and he could be viewed as a quote unquote addition because he wasn't as much of a part of what they accomplished last year as you know, you thought going into the year. So I think they'd be fine with that. Um, Again, did they accomplish everything? No. Did they get on the same level as as Boston, Miami, Philadelphia, some of these other teams that that are at the top of the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee included? No, they didn't. But if, if they were going to significantly shake it up, you know, they would have had to to feel like there was a reason to do that. And the only two reasons that they could really justify would have been, okay, the guy that, that is available for us to shake it up for is worth it enough for us to do that is going to make such a great impact on us and is like the ideal fit for us that is worth us doing that. Or it was, like we don't believe in the things that that we accomplished last year as sustainable. That was a mirage. Forty four wins is really really nice, but you know, uh, that that wasn't realistic for us to continue down that same path. And and I don't think they were ever going to look at it that way. And I don't think there was that guy out there that was the quote unquote ideal fit that they would make the, you know, Rudy Gobert type move that Minnesota did, right? Or the Atlanta Hawks type move that that um, the Hawks did for DeJounte Murray. If that guy was out there, I, I think the Cavs would have explored that. And if that guy becomes available between now and, and the start of the regular season, then I think they'll be opportunistic and they'll explore that. Um, but but I don't see that person out there that, that would make them um, desperate to, to shake up what they believe is a solid, good foundation moving forward. I mean, it all makes sense. It does. It all makes sense. I mean, we kind of said it from the beginning that this roster was pretty much set going into the season. And, you know, they added the pieces they needed. I don't I don't foresee any huge moves other either. I don't see anything other than Colin Sexton, really. I mean, because I don't know. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, Bless you. Thank you. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't foresee Jetty Osman, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, uh, Dean Wade, even one of those guys, kind of netting them anything that would be um, crucial for this season. I don't. Right. And, no. You know. So for that reason, I think that yeah, I think Collins might be your big addition. And you know, I I see a lot of these fans fan comments that say, well, trade Sexton and Jetty and Windler for for a wing. Well, okay, yeah, no, that's not going to be enough. I mean, you, if you want a playmaking and right. you want a difference making wing, you're not that those three aren't going to be enough for that. Right. So, I mean, uh, Ricky Rubio, that that signing shouldn't go overlooked and I know it's hard to get super excited about him if you're a Cavs fan because you don't know when he's going to be healthy and you don't know when he's going to be back out on the court Uh um 
Very excited about it. The way that he played last year, I think they're pumped to have him back. Okay. Good. Yeah, I, from, from I what mean, I've seen. I, I just don't think, I, I don't think his value, both on and off the court, should be overlooked. And, and I don't know that he's going to be, you know, Spanish national team Rubio, the, the way that he was coming off a FIBA appearance last year. And, and I don't know how he's going to look after a second torn ACL beyond the age of 30 now. Um, obviously it's going to take him longer to recover and maybe he's going to lose a little bit of something in his game and he's probably going to need time to shake off the rust. So there are some variables that that are hard to figure with that, but, but the kind of impact that he can have for this group, we saw it last year and, and that type of player, that floor general, that on court leader, that stabilizer of the second unit, He's got the kind of game that makes everybody around him better. He's got the kind of game that can elevate the Cavs' offensive ceiling, um, even if he's not Spanish national team Ricky Rubio, even if he is not you know, the same guy that we saw last year for the Cavs that I thought was definitely one of the front runners for sixth man of the year. Even a little bit lesser than that, I still think he can have a great impact on this particular group. I, yeah, I, I certainly agree. It's, it's definitely a move that they felt needed to be made if they felt like they were going to sign him for three. I mean, this wasn't a one-year deal. This was three years. They, they no, got him for three, three years. years. Yeah, three years. So this is something that they want to continue to help. You know, he's going to be behind Darius, hopefully, for the next three years and then pushing him forward. So that's, that's a big deal. Right. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to hit on? I have one more thing I want to hit on. If there's nothing, if yeah, there's... So our friend... Our friend, Brian Windhorst, was the subject of incredible, <laughs> incredible memes and incredible social media generation. And I just want to talk about how amazing that two minute, 11 second clip was. <laughs> and then also, how amazing it was that he was exactly right, hit the nail on the head. Jazz are going to rebuild this thing. I mean, how perfect was it? The little, the fingers, he had the fingers going, he had the side eye going. It oh, was, I know. It was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I loved it, man. It was great. Um, but that's like, if you're doing a podcast or if you're doing TV or if you're doing radio, you have to do that kind of stuff. You have to bring people along with you. You're a storyteller. As a journalist, multimedia journalist, you're a storyteller. So it's all about how you tell that story. And for those two minutes, he had everybody at that first take desk leaning in, waiting to see where he was going to go with that. It was terrific. Legendary. <laughs> Legendary. Now, Royce Young will forever have a place in my heart because that was... Royce O'Neal. Uh, Royce O'Neal, yes. Yeah, sorry, Royce O'Neal, not Royce Young. Uh, Royce O'Neal will forever have a place in my heart because of that. That was incredible. And I, I think, yeah. you know, if you look at what the Timberwolves are doing with that and Gobert, I think you can kind of look at the Cavs a little bit and be like, okay, you know, they, they saw the, the, the uh, Twin Towers and Mobley and uh, yeah. Mobley and Allen. Like maybe there's a, maybe there's a new kind of way to run things in the NBA. You know, the other thing, now that you bring this up, I, I do want to say this. So, you know, Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota gave up a boatload of assets for Rudy Gobert. And Atlanta gave up a ton for DeJounte Murray. So 
this is the thing that, that I think fans need to understand. Hayden, when it comes to that kind of deal, you get one shot. You get one shot to unload all of your assets, essentially all of your assets. Like Minnesota is Minnesota's giving up a pick like seven years down the road. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. So if if you're going to unload that kind of, of draft capital, you get one shot. One. Especially if you're in a market like Minnesota or Cleveland and you can't like if you make the mistake, you can't like fix it just by going out in free agency. You know what I mean? So you get one shot to do that all in type move, right? And if you're a team like the Cavs, if you're going to do that, you've got to analyze your roster. You've got to look at the strengths and weaknesses. You've got to be honest about that evaluation. You've got to look at the roster holes. You know what I mean? Yep. So if, if all of us are sitting here saying, like, the thing that's holding the Cavs back from being Boston or Milwaukee or Miami or some of these other teams that we've talked about at the top of the Eastern Conference, if, if we're looking at it saying the thing that's holding them back most is a two-way wing who can shoot, like a Jason Tatum type, a Jimmy Butler type, um, Kevin Durant type, if, if that's the thing that, that we see, that's the thing that the Cavs see as well. So if they're going to make that move that we're talking about, to put them over the top, the guy to go all in for, does DeJounte Murray fit that? No. No. Like, does Donovan Mitchell fit that? No. No. Kevin Durant does, obviously. No. But, like, Brooklyn's and- going to ask for Evan Mobley. <laughs> yeah. going to no. start there. No. So, so that's the thing to keep in mind. Rudy Gobert didn't fit that. You know what I mean? So, if that guy becomes available – then we can, I think, we can start having those crazy pie-in-the-sky conversations. But, but I'm not going to hold it against the Cavs that they didn't push all of those chips in for DeJounte Murray because I don't think he's the guy that they need most. I don't think he's the ideal fit. No. No, and I'm, I'm very sick of the Kevin Durant stuff already that I'm seeing on social media. They could do it. Look, I'm just uh, saying, like, they no. could do it. No. He'd be the most angry. No, no, no. <laughs> Who could do it? The Cavs? Yes. Like, I'm not saying t- they're going to. I know. I'm, I know. Saying, I'm saying with an asset like Evan Mobley, which I wouldn't do if I was in the Cavs position, and I don't think they're no. going to. But with, with an asset like him, his combination of age, talent, upside and contract that is like if the Cavs were willing to include that in a package that would be hard for any other team out there to top yeah just saying yeah no 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 I just just no just absolutely not no No, I don't think they should I don't think they're going to but but I think we have to understand that that that's the kind of value that somebody like Evan Mobley has around the NBA. Oh, 100%. No doubt. No doubt. I personally would just wait for uh, for, for LeBron to be a freeze and go from there. 
Bring him home one, one more time. I'm looking at a tweet right yeah. now that says Warriors could be a landing spot for Kevin Durant. Cool, Wiggins, Kaminga, Wiseman. That would be interesting. Mark Spears with that thought. But, yeah, for him to go back to for him to go back to Golden State. What do you make of the Kyrie stuff? I mean, pretty interesting, you know, that he would want to reunite with LeBron. Well, Kyrie is the most different person that I've ever covered in my entire life. So it, it's very hard to predict what it is that makes him happy, what it is that's going to keep him happy, and what it is that he's thinking on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I don't think that'll have any basis on, or any, uh, uh, it won't, won't have anything to do with Colin Sexton's contract negotiations, I don't think. I don't think that that, just him moving yeah, somewhere I don't think so either. would do anything with that. So, good luck to Kyrie wherever he ends up. Good luck to Kevin Durant wherever he ends up. Uh, it's always something in the NBA. It's pretty. pretty it's 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 never. It's the never boring association is what I like to call it. It's 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 there the NBA go. for that reason. Never boring. All right, Chris. Anything else before we uh, enjoy the rest of this holiday weekend? No, I think that's it, man. All right. Well, we will be on the lookout for more Cavaliers moves. If there are to be any, we'll definitely be on the lookout for Colin Sexton. Um, what's going to go on with him? Otherwise, I think the, this Cavaliers team we're almost ready for. Uh, getting to training camp it's it's almost i mean it's not you know not nearly that time yet but almost with the the roster the Cavs have you know oh i also wanted to here's what i did i wanted to uh mention that uh, kevin love married uh to kate bach in what looked like a yes. beautiful classy wedding at the new york public library i it was that's my he, he's got he's got my vibes on the wedding thing i would have that's a that, that was a really really nice wedding looked really really good so congratulations to him and uh darius garland in attendance i saw um yep. a lot of the former Cavs in attendance rj channing lebron yep. jr smith Kyrie, not there jordan clarkson. jordan clarkson yep but uh with any active any other active Cavs there no just just darius well jenny osman got married the the following day as well uh, so congrats dude. to jetty come on jetty be better <laughs> what? come on you can't you can't do your wedding the day after your teammate's wedding come on <laughs> Well, I don't know if it was exactly the day after, but it was in that same range. So he deserves some congratulations. Too. No, he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it wasn't. <laughs> wasn't definitely wasn't coming at him. But like you guys, they should have communicated. Be like, man, I'm getting married on this day. Let's wait. Let's let's figure this out. <laughs> Yo, Aiden, if you ever get into that point, like that's not how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you just pick. Yeah, you just pick the day, right? <laughs> Whatever's a, hey, if the New York Public Library is available on July or June 30th or whenever day it was, then you go for it. Damn right. That's and whatever your wife wants on her yes. day. Like yeah, it's it's the couple and and they have to have, you know, conversations about how to do this and how to do that and and what is desired for the wedding. But, you know, me as a guy, I didn't I didn't grow up with a with like something on my head fake walking down an aisle because I was dreaming about my wedding day. So it's more about what the wife wants on that kind of day. So I, that's very uh, fair. It's a great I, I don't know that Jetty fully had control of that. Situation. No, and I don't think Kevin, fully had control. I don't think Kevin fully had control either. So yeah, I get, right. I, right. Get I get that completely. All right. Well, that's, you know, congratulations to both of them to Jetty and to Kevin. Um, we'll see, you know, we'll see if Ke- Jetty's on the team come, you know, come the start of the season, I think it's possible. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to both of them. All right, now let's go have a good 4th of July weekend. We hope you do the same. 
Chris, appreciate you. Thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, making time for us in this holiday weekend. Enjoy it with Elliot and the fam. Um, we appreciate everybody listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page and sign up for Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month. You'll get all kinds of insight and analysis sent straight to your phone before Twitter or anywhere else. Again, cleveland.com slash Cavaliers. Go check it out. Appreciate all you joining us and uh, have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. We will talk to you soon on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Take care. God bless.